Hi, I'm Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and you're listening to Clerical Errors Podcast. Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Thank you for the introduction, Mr. Voiceover Guy. It's always a pleasure to hear your wonderful, sonorous voice. And uh, welcome to the Talks and Tasting Studios. This is the Clerical Heirs Podcast. I am Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And no vicar today. I know. What's the deal? Uh, yeah, well, you just couldn't make it today. So mm-hmm. so Peter, Peter, although we do have uh, someone who's very helpful here, we have Peter actually in studio. Hello. Hey, how's it going? So, you know, it's pretty awesome that we've got something even better than an app here. <laughs> Right. right. We have the guy that makes us sound good all the time. Right. We have to treat this guy well. It's the truth. Not only is our, he our producer, he brought our beverage today. Holy buckets. I did indeed, and I'm I'm pretty proud of this one. I think this is probably the best find. Humble, too. Ah, yes, very humble. <laughs> today we have... Reiki Bones Wild Ale... Fermented with sour cherries. Holy buckets. That looks awesome. It has a cork in it, guys. A cork. I don't know how to open it. <laughs> how do you open these? Uh, there should be a twist thing. Oh, you just untwist it. Yep. So, sours are interesting because they intentionally infect them with a particular kind of bacteria, right? Which is what gives it its... I'm guessing it's it's sour. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> sour, almost <laughs> lemonade sort of taste, so... I brought two because I didn't know Vicar was on hiatus or whatever he's doing. Yes. So, uh, Berg, what are you preaching on? Well, what's the text for this Sunday? The text for this Sunday comes from Matthew chapter 22, uh, which uh, the Pharisees, um, uh, a lawyer asked Jesus a question, and which is a great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. Then he said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. <laughs> I love it when Jesus just does a mic drop and it's over, done. <laughs> All right, so um, my out my sermon for this Sunday is going to... Wow. Is it pretty good? It smells amazing. Oh, yeah. I poured it for you guys. I can pour it for myself. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) So while our producer is pouring his beverage, um, I mean, this is a classic law gospel text, right? Right. Like super law gospel, right? They ask a question about the law. Jesus answers it. And then uh, Jesus actually uh, teaches them about who he is and what he's come to do. Primarily about who he is, right? That he is the eternal Son of God. Um, so my uh, my sermon outline for this Sunday is pretty basic. Like, who gets into the kingdom of heaven? 
right? Mm-hmm. Who's in the kingdom of heaven? Well, my first point is, is if you don't know the law, you're in the kingdom of Satan, right? Well, what does it mean to know the law? Is it just about being ignorant? No, it's not just about being ignorant of the law, right? Because everybody has the law written on their hearts, right? Mm-hmm. It's about how do you use the law rightly? Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of ways that people don't use the law rightly. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a few? Yes. Um, I can think of uh, several. Um, one we'll be talking about later is marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in fact, uh, I was actually thinking of your point the other day. Is uh, Someone asked me to kind of review a communion statement. Mm-hmm. And, in, and the communion statement didn't really ask your your what church you belong to, but it just asked if you are repentant of your sin. And, uh, and my comment was this, um, by saying that that, asking if you're repentant of your sin, you're just assuming that whoever taught them the Ten Commandments taught them properly. Right. And, uh, and so you're kind of at the mercy of whoever taught them the commandments. And uh, are you comfortable with how the Ten Commandments are being taught <laughs> in other churches? Right. Uh, n- not in some. <laughs> right. But it's sad because I would say maybe maybe 30, 40 years ago, we'd be a little more confident right. in that, mm-hmm. but, but not anymore. Right. So the law is used wrongly, and there are some really like obvious ones, right? Like trying to win your salvation by works, right? Trying to earn your way to heaven, mm-hmm. right? That's pretty obvious. Or uh, doing the law so that way you get praise from men, like the Pharisees did, right? right. You do things to get your name on a building or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. For, the, for the acclaim. But even in the Christian church, we see more subtle things, right? So, for example, if you come to church simply because somebody puts you on an usher list, right, and you feel obligated to come, right, you feel coerced to come, or if you feel, um, if you don't go to church because you feel like you're going to get punished for it, that's not using the law rightly. Right. You know, it's just like your kids. You can tell them to do something. But if they complain the whole time they're doing it, they're really not doing what you right. and, and asked I think, them, right? And I think that that's actually a subtle difference because because you go to church, um, well, so that not so, so much, as you said, so that you avoid punishment, but you do go to church so that the faith by which you receive the kingdom of God is strengthened and nourished. So in effect... Right. I mean, it it is the law, Right. Um, you have to go to church, but why does God guard his word? So that way, faith can be created, right? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of ways, or if you treat the Ten Commandments like a checklist. Like you're like, okay, well, I didn't murder anybody today, so I obviously fulfilled the Fifth Commandment, right? Or by judging judging yourself uh, by other people, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to go to heaven because, you know, at least I'm not a Nazi. Right. Or at least I'm not, you know... Uh, pardon me, uh, Republican or a Democrat, right? Pick your, you know, pick right. your poison, right? Um, and that's the thing is that you can't simply give Moses forty percent and expect it to be good, right? So these are all unlawful uses of the law, right? You know, you know what that uh, reminds me of. Um, you know, when you think think of Judgment Day, yeah, right, standing before the Almighty God. I just think. I think it's kind of a fun exercise to to take all the excuses that we like to use in our own brains. Oh right, and then then try to stand before the all, almighty, <laughs> almighty, all knowing God and say, "Yes, um, 
I just wanted you to know that I'm not like my cousin Richard. <laughs> or Right. Or I'm sorry, God, it was just a really rough week that <laughs> Right. I I didn't you know, hey God, I wasn't perfect, but I didn't murder six million Jews. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. but the thing is, and this is where, you know, here's a book recommendation for all you out there. There's a book called Mission at Nuremberg. It's actually about a Missouri Senate pastor who was serving the Nazis who were on trial at Nuremberg. And he, and, and he firmly believes that there are some of those, you know, high-ranking Nazis who were involved in a lot of people's deaths, who repented of their sins, and when they went to the gallows uh, and, and, you know, paid for their debt to society uh, and were executed, right? That they they died believing and they went to heaven, right? There will be Nazis in heaven that, you know, who repented. And that is a wonderful, wonderful blessing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why, uh, you know, we, you know, of course, Nazis are our favorite whipping boy today, right? But but that's the thing. I mean, using the law in a wrong way um, really detracts from the glory of Christ, Okay, mm-hmm. so that's my first point. Okay, second point: if you know the law of God, you're not you're not far from the kingdom of God. Okay, so and here I go to actually a parallel text in Mark. Okay, mm-hmm. where Jesus has actually a discussion with th- this lawyer, and Jesus gives his answer, and the lawyer says, "Yes, you're right. God is one, and we should love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and we should love our neighbors as ourselves. This is worth more than all the sacrifices." And Jesus, and it says there, when it's when he sees that this guy has answered wisely, he tells this guy, you are not far from the kingdom of God, right? When you actually understand what the law is, that the law requires love, that you need to love God with all of your heart, with everything that you are, and love your neighbor like you would love yourself, you're not far from the kingdom. Right. You're, you're not there yet, right? You're not there yet. But at least then you understand uh, what the law requires of you. And you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to despair and you're going to be like, well, nobody can keep this dumb thing. So I'm going to go live like a, you know, like a hedonist. Or it's going to send you searching for my third point, right? Mm-hmm. For faith in Christ as the Son of God. Those people who have faith in the Son of God, Christ, right? They are uh, in the kingdom of heaven, right? And that faith comes by hearing, Right. And so that's, I mean, that's really where, where it all comes down, right? Right. And, and uh, if you truly understand the law and how impossible it is to keep it, because it doesn't just say, do all this outward stuff. It actually demands that you have perfect feelings, that you perfectly love even your enemies. Right. And, right? and, 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 uh, and, and the motivation of its true love is not so that you inherit the kingdom of God. The true love is care and concern for your neighbor an actual love for God, not in a way that says, well, if I, if I love him enough, he'll let me into his kingdom, but generally a love for him and his commandments. Right. You know, that self is completely forgotten about here. Right. right? And that's why the law is impossible for us. But you need to truly understand how much it demands of you. And when you understand that, you're not far. You're, you're just about there, right? You're and- just about there. And I think that's what I think why I think people find, and we'll actually get into this in a little bit here, why I think a lot of Christians find modern day so troubling is is uh, the complete disregard for the law of God. Yeah. So A lot of it has become simple social justice, 
Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, no doubt we should care for our neighbors. But what does it always comes back to? How are we using the law of God? Right. Right. So, Peter, what do you think of your, uh, what is it, creaky bones? Crikey. Crikey bones. I'm, I'm really in, enjoying it. It's it's a really strong flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm liking the sour cherry. I really like the sour. I, this reminds me of one uh, called Freakwood that they, that uh, I can't remember what the brewery is that came out with it, but that one was actually aged first in bourbon barrels and then in maple syrup barrels. And it really just had this, this smooth, but really like a hint of bourbon-y in it. Oh, oh yeah. It was super good. Yeah, you might enjoy Berg, too. It says all the the uh, information on there, the barrel ratio, the uh, maturation, <laughs> maturation maturation time, uh, the, the microflora. It's all Man. on there. See, well, this is where science is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so this is healthy. It's like having yogurt. It's the truth. <laughs> our, our bodies are thanking us. <laughs> so um, normally this would bring us to... Um, my top 12 list, and I have something for us, but uh, it's a little heavier and dark. And I and I had a few things that I wanted to do, Berg, um, to kind of start off the show with a little more. You've already started off with the energy. You've obviously done more sermon work <laughs> this week so far than I have. <laughs> and I'll admit that. Um, and that is, uh, I wanted to do news that bothers Berg. All right. Sounds right away. great. So, um, Peter... Would you like to play the intro? Yeah, you got it. All right. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> so, so here's the situation. We've got a, we recorded a whole episode. Right? Indeed, we did. And there were a lot of magical moments in that, weren't there? It was super magical. But this is what happened. It uh, went to play back, and all of a sudden, there was a weird noise. And it just didn't sound very good. I played some of it for you, and it kind of sounded like uh, there was some sort of possession that infected our computer or something like that. See, Skynet was just trying to put out their new brand of RoboPaster. Oh, that's what so. it was. Uh, because we are so dedicated, right, Berg? Indeed. Uh, we uh, had to make a special trip in uh, to make sure that our podcast would be ready to go on Sunday morning, as always. You're welcome, listeners. You're so welcome. we are, and what I hope to do is uh, is uh, I'm going to try and take some of our mo- our funny moments from the previous, and it'll sound bad, but I'll throw them in at the end. Okay. That'll be awesome. So Because it was magic. It, it, it really was, it was. was. We were we were on fire. We missed some gold there. So, so, uh, so I'll try and throw those together as best as I can to my ability. Understanding that's different than Peter's ability. Well, and we enjoyed it, and God and the angels enjoyed it. So, so, so we left off last time. Uh, from this, we were talking about uh, these two clips. So, if you listen to this first clip of uh, of of Ron Reagan. Uh, thinking that we should separate. <laughs> By the way, this is way better the first time. <laughs> Hi, 
Hi, I'm Ron Reagan, an unabashed atheist, and I'm alarmed by the intrusions of religion into our secular government. That's why I'm asking you to support the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the nation's largest and most effective association of atheists and agnostics, working to keep state and church separate, just like our founding fathers intended. Please support the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. All right, so Ron Ron Reagan uh, says that uh, you know he's the he's the atheist guy who uh, they, I think it's like the first um, freedom from religion atheist like commercial right right during a presidential right right during yeah a... and so so the the recording we just heard right <laughs> um, so anyway separation of church and state got it all right and the second one and and, and he ended that with. Uh... Uh, and by the way, I'm not afraid to burn in hell. Burn in so. hell, right? Um, which just shows a great audacity, right? And how you know you got to have some pretty big cojones to say something like that. Yeah. And then we went from that to now this clip. Do you think religious institutions uh, like colleges, churches, charities should they lose their tax exempt status if they oppose same sex marriage? Yes. There can be no reward, no benefit, no tax break for anyone or any institution, any organization in America that denies the full human rights and the full civil rights of every single one of us. And so as president, we're going to make that a priority, and we are going to stop those who are infringing upon the human rights of our fellow Americans. Right. Beto. Yeah. This has been a big thing in the news, and in fact, I've actually covered this in my Bible class about... Um, tax exemption for churches and that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that if you have the power to tax something, you have the power to destroy it, right? Uh, that is that is why churches have always been tax exempt, uh, even going back to the days of the Amer- you know, uh, before the the American Revolution. Now, no doubt, nine out of the thirteen colonies did have sp- state sponsored religion, where they actually used tax money uh, to pay for pastors and for churches and the like, um, but. That's a very different thing. That's than um, than actually taxing congregations, and that would be very very difficult for us. Um, the church would be very hampered in all of her gospel endeavors. Um, the church would still exist, right? Because... It ha- I mean, it ha- it's in other places. But here's the thing: because of of the laws, if we we lose that tax exempt status, then what do we become? We become just like a regular business, right? Right. And what happens to business? Do they are they have regulations that they have to follow? They they do. So what happens if uh like if you're a baker for example that doesn't want to make cakes for a same sex wedding? You get sued like fifteen times. Right. So what happens if you're a church no longer tax exempt, and you have things that you don't want to do? Yeah, you'll get sued because now you're you're a, just like a, a free market thing. You can't refuse anyone's service. And it actually winds up, I believe, would wind up uh, making more difficult than just the financial aspect. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I don't think many of our small congregations would actually be able to have buildings, honestly. I think the taking away the tax exemption would actually put an end, it'd close a lot of our doors. Right. We would have to meet in other places. Right. I know, like, with the school and uh, the cemetery and our, our church building, I mean, it would, and the parsonage, I mean, it would just to, it would probably wipe us out. Yeah. You know? So, 
All right. Well, I, uh, it's a good discussion, but I feel like our last one was better. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this isn't you know. It's a little lackluster. It's kind of like this. You know how how something happened that you thought was really really funny, and then and then you retell the story, and it just doesn't recapture yeah. the mag- magic. And you're like, uh, you're guess... like, well, you had to be there. That's right. Well, <laughs> listeners, you had to be there. Peter, that's what we should entitle this show. You had. I'm going to write yeah. that down. Yeah, let's let's make that let's make that happen. <laughs> All right, you had to be there. All right. So, you have the blasphemy today. Right. Peter, who's not there right now, play the intro. <laughs> Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damned illusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. All right, so this blasphemy is actually a poem that I wrote because I was, on Thursday, I was sitting in chapel listening to uh, a sermon on 1 Samuel chapter 4, which is a really kind of depressing chapter. I mean, we were attempting to keep this uh, this show really, like, lively and and fun and lighthearted and stuff, and uh, I don't know if we're succeeding in the second part, but um, here we go, right? Uh, First Samuel chapter four is like the opposite of everything we're trying to do in this show right now. Um, you have uh, Israel getting their tails kicked by the Philistines. They go and get the Ark of the Covenant. They get their tails kicked again. Uh, two priests die, Hophni and Phineas. The Ark is captured. Eli falls off his chair because he's old and fat and breaks his neck. Uh, and uh, a child is born <laughs> prematurely. And he's given this awful name, Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. End of the chapter. So a little, a little depressing. Yeah. This is and, uh, this is the gospel of <laughs> exactly. Um, so so yeah. Um, so I but I it got me thinking. It got me thinking about Ichabod. Right? Is he actually named rightly? Uh, has the glory really departed from from Israel um, just because the Ark of the Covenant is gone? And in my own mind, I, I argued, no, the the glory hasn't departed from Israel. God has sent them Samuel, the first prophet since Moses. And he is going to lay the foundation, the bedrock for what's going to come later. Uh, first Saul's kingdom and then David's kingdom. And finally, it'll all culminate in the glory of Solomon's kingdom when the temple is finally built. Um, so, in fact, I, I really don't think that the glory does depart. God is still in control. And, in fact, he is burning off the dross. He's burning off the false glory. He's taking away the false priesthood. Um, and that's what he's doing in this in this chapter. So this is a poem to Ichabod, uh, you know, who's long dead, of course, but um, that's, that's really who it's really dedicated to. And I apologize. I, I went through and I marked up my other copy and then I didn't bring it with me. <laughs> so, so um, it's on the first episode, right? It's on the first episode. You, you know, had I, to be there. You mean I so, could play it, but you know, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as uh, poetic, I don't think. So the devil was testing us. It, it, he was, you know, he is he is the prince of the power of the air, right? Right. So you know, <laughs> all right. So anyway, let's let's go. This is uh, iambic pentameter, uh, and its uh, rhyme scheme is A B B A. O Ichabod, thou child of that black day, when God's great glory turned to Dagon's spoil, and pagan armies seemed God's will to foil, O how God's people have become a prey. 
O orphan lost from womb untimely ripped by sorrow over priest and husband dear. The church's father died neath smoking spear, while aged judge fell when his chair was tipped. But is thy name the truth? Has glory gone? Nay, nay, for God works judgment through his foes, and burns away the dross by sending woes, so that his glory shines like morning's dawn. In Eli's day the word of God was scant, and priests grew fat on meat that was purloined. Their lusts waxed great when they with women joined in God's tent, where they hid their wicked cant. Now Rama's seer has shown his word is truth, that God's forbearance shall not last for e'er, a faithful priest to raise the Lord to swear, who shall for e'er go in and out for in sooth. This priest is better than dead Eli's lion, for he is sinless and yet bears our shame. To offer up his soul was why he came, and now prays for us in the heavenly shrine. The mercy seat where God by ch with cherub sits, enthroned in glory above the ark of gold, is but a type and shadow now grown old, to cover our shame Christ his life commits. The cross is where God's glory is revealed, where Jesus does his Father's will for man. This was no great mistake but God's sure plan, by which sin's shame was by his blood concealed. O Ichabod, how poorly named are thee! God's glory has not his blood-bought bride left. Only of glory false is she bereft, for glory true is found on the accursed tree. Very good. Very good. So, listeners, I'll be posting a revised version of that on our Facebook page on Sunday. So um, you'll just have to listen to my sonorous voice and, you know, substitute <laughs> in the different words. I, I like how uh, it, it just uh, it draws hope in a, in a seemingly hopeless situation. What would you consider to be some uh, meaning the listener can take home when they look at the world around them? Well, you look at Ichabod, and he this this little boy has lost everything, right? Mm -hmm. He's lost his grandfather. He's lost his dad. He's lost his uncle. Uh, he's also lost his mom. His mm -hmm. mom dies giving birth to him, right? He's lost everything. He's lost his job. The ark is gone. Uh, Israel is defeated. Uh, everything looks terrible. It looks awful. And this is how we feel sometimes. It feels like the world is crashing down around us. And yet God uses these things, right? God has not, uh, God is not a slave, right? He is not um, beaten by our circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, he is in charge of these things. Uh, he sends them for our good. And he uses them in order to focus our eyes on the true glory of God. And the true glory of God is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's the glory that he covers us with. I mean, you look at it, the crucifixion is not, I, mean, I think sometimes we're almost too used to it. Yeah. We don't see it for the shame that it was. Um, that was a slave's death. It was a, a terrible death. It was, um, you were usually crucified naked. People mocked you. Uh, this is why when Philippi Philippians 2 uh, talks about it, right? Christ humbled himself uh, to, to the point of death, even death upon the cross. One reason why you and I are maybe more attuned to this is as pastors, we see a lot of death. Yeah, we see a lot of death. I mean, we see a lot of struggles. We see a lot of um, dark days for people. And then there's many times are the times when they're most scared, mm -hmm. most most vulnerable um, and uh, for for them and their families. And to be able to point to a cross and say, you know, Jesus walked this road. Right. And, 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 and that his shame is actually our glory. That mm -hmm. he puts aside his divine glory 
he puts himself in the place of shame so that you and I might be glorified. Right? In, in much the same way, how often does this happen in the New Testament where, where people are seeking Jesus uh, because everything's going okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How often do people <laughs> seek Jesus because, you know, oh, my health is good, <laughs> you know, or I'm not struggling at all. I guess maybe one uh, you can maybe point to would be Nicodemus, maybe, a little bit. Right, right. And, yet, and yet, once again, he's scared, right? right. He goes by night. Um, all these, you know, because they've got something to lose. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. The The thing that's controlling them is the stuff that doesn't matter. And so, so to the listener, if you think of your own situation and perhaps you're going through a tough time or you're scared about something or you're scared about the direction of the world. I think people have a lot of mind, those type Mm -hmm. of things Um, to be mindful of how that doesn't mean that God isn't in control. It doesn't mean his glory has left us. You have a place where you hear the word of God. You know, there, you know, Jesus offers his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. And it may seem as all those things, it may be seen, you know, uh, how many of us can say, oh, our, our churches are growing by leaps and bounds? Right. You know, all those things really weigh on the hearts of the listeners. But it doesn't mean that the glory of God has left us, especially when you have Christ and his cross. And you have a great promise. St. Paul tells us that if we suffer here with him, we will be glorified with him there. And just like this was a black day, a black night for them, right? Mm-hmm. They lose everything. Uh, and yet, what happens? It's really... Uh, darkest before the dawn. I know it's a truism, but but it is. It's right. true. Um, because Israel begins its upward climb from the dark ages of the judges, when the word of God was precious, when it, mm-hmm. was, when it wasn't there. I mean, right. think about that. You had 300 years where everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. But now God is raising up a prophet, Samuel, Right. He is going to raise up a king after his own heart. And Israel is going to um, really begin into her her greatest phase of earthly glory. The problem is, is that once again, they confuse that earthly glory mm-hmm. with the glory that the God of Israel gives. And that's why ultimately that earthly glory had to fade. I mean, Solomon... Solomon uh, he, he thought too much about his wives. He loved his wives too much, and he loved them more than God. Mm-hmm. And this is why the kingdom is torn in half. Um, you know, so that's the thing, is that it's very easy for us. And he was the world's smartest guy, right? Right. Um, he, so it's very easy for us to confuse what true glory is with false glory. And um, it's something we need to watch in ourselves. And also to recognize that when God takes away the false glory— when he takes away the money, when he takes away all these things that we hold so dear, it's not because he hates us. It's because he loves us. And he wants us to focus on that glory that will never fade, on that crown that shall never pass away. And another thing I think that your your poem points out is this, is, is we think so much of the here and now, what's going on today, that we forget, you know, with, with Ichabod, God was doing things generations later. Right. You know, and uh, the things that we might suffer and the things that God is doing, you know, we think just the here and now, but God is affecting things for our children, our children's children, mm-hmm. and all those things until he, he returns. And so, you know, it's real easy to be myopic and think, well, it's all about what I'm going through today, and we forget the big picture, the big picture of—and that's one thing pastors do, too. Right. You know, we think of 
what is this church I'm serving going to look like in 20 years? What is the word? Is the word going to still going to be heard? Mm-hmm. If I something were to happen to me, uh, what kind of position would the church be in? All right. those things, because we think generationally. When we baptize a child, we think that's going to be a grandparent someday. Right. And I think that takes us looking to the past, too, and being thankful for what God has done, recognizing the errors that our predecessors have made, uh, but also thanking God for the good that he did through them, right? Yep. Because that's the thing with, I mean, this didn't just happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, God had spoken through Samuel 20 years before mm-hmm. and about what was going to happen to Hophni and Phineas and Eli and their house, and uh, there was no repentance, right? Um, we do see, we do, like you said, sow the seeds for the future. And in a lot of cases, uh, our seeds that we've seen, the crop that we bring in is very, very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been very blessed and, you know, you more than me, um, you know, to reap where we didn't sow, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've, bap- you've uh, buried so many people that you didn't baptize and right. you didn't catechize. And thanks be to God. What, what a wonderful thing. And, and you think of all the prophets. We were in horrible situations, and and uh, because the of the glory of God, even though they were all pretty much killed, <laughs> right? You know, they were hated, but uh, they found great joy in the glory that was going to happen. It was so real to them as though it had already happened. Mm-hmm. And they didn't listen to them in their own day, but here we are listening to their words thousands of years later. You know, and so I don't, I, I don't, I take comfort in that. You know that. Uh, Especially because, you know, you do the same thing day in and out and, you know, it, uh, and nothing changes and it, it, you know, but it's the same way, you know, you can't go out every day to the cornfield and check to see if the corn is up. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, you can't get your combine out the day after you plant it and be like, okay, time for harvest. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So I think too, sometimes God teaches us patience through these things and it teaches us to wait on him. And he will do what he does. Right. So, and I, for any pastors out there or parishioners, that's, you know, I think that's a comforting thing. Well, I think we have some questions here. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think through my mind what they were again. All right. (laughs) I I will get those fired up. So, that brings us to confound the clerics. Me. (laughs) Play the intro. (laughs) Confound the clerics. Yes, remember, uh, the second half of this episode is not me editing, or not Peter editing. Peter wanted me to make that clear. <laughs> right. This is uh, this is definitely a, a show full of clerical errors. So <laughs> so our first, our question, we have a, an email from one of our most dedicated listeners, Lizzie. And we, we answered your questions already, and they were way better. So right. you, yeah. had to, you had to be there. <laughs> and if you want, Lizzie, we can somehow get you the original questions to the answers. <laughs> <laughs> so Lizzie says, because we asked uh, last episode for some pity questions. Indeed. And she gave us some. So she says, here are some pity questions. I'm listening to the last part of the episode as I write these because I feel sorry for you guys. Ah. Wow. Well, who I, doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> so first question, and this first one is right in your wheelhouse, right? So, I, I hope so. Um, because she mentions later that... Uh, the internet and her dad came up with a lot of these, and I'm guessing this came from her father. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm guessing he probably has a paper on it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh... So the first question is, can you explain the doc- doctrine of recapitulation in the theology of Irenaeus? All right, so Irenaeus was a second century theologian, I believe. Uh, I learned about him. He was kind of Dr. Weinrich's um, dissertation, et cetera, et cetera. If I remember rightly, I think the recapitulation doctrine is that Adam and Eve were immature in the Garden of Eden. They were perfect, but immature. They still had to grow into their perfection. Today, we would say that they were perfect, that Adam and Eve were perfect, but they were mutable. They could change. They could fall, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an important thing because, you know, sometimes you get these kids who ask, well, can I swear in heaven? <laughs> right? And and our answer is no, right? No, yeah. That you will not be able to sin in heaven, right? You will be um, fortified in uh, and confirmed in in the faith, right? So I'm, so I'm, I'm you're better at this kind of thing than I am, but I'm looking at the word recapitulation, right? Right. And uh, uh, like to decapitate someone. Right. So is this to is to remove the head. Right. This is like reheading somebody. Right. Putting a new head on. Right. So, and and so after they fell into sin, Adam and Eve, uh, their head was the devil, right? He is the father of lies. He is the, he is the god of this age. Um, he is the prince of this world. Right, you have mm-hmm. all of these ways that it's talked about in the Bible. Right, he's working through the sons of disobedience, um, but when Christ comes, when he dies for the sins of man and rises again to new life, uh, he is the new head of humanity. That's why in First Corinthians fifteen it says, "In Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive." Right, he is the new Adam. Mm-hmm. Right, first Adam failed. He was supposed to be the head of a new humanity, and he screwed it up. Right. right? Uh, the second Adam doesn't screw it up, right? All right. You ready for the next one? Lay it on me. What is the meaning of life? 42. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I still don't know what that means. <laughs> I think I think in our original episode, you said something about uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the restaurant at the end of the universe, and... Uh, um, what is it called? Uh, what's the third book? Um, life, the life, the universe, and or, yeah, the universe, life, and something or other else. But um, they're really funny books. Um, the guy's an atheist, but he's British, so it's really <laughs> what hilarious. Does that mean? <laughs> so it's it's kind of like Monty Python in space. Okay. So <laughs> he's an atheist, but at least he's British. <laughs> so I, you know, he might be irreverent, but he's got some class. Okay, so, got know. it. Okay, so uh, so that's as deep as you're going for the meaning of life. It's Saturday. Okay, all right. Well, I, I don't know what my excuse was on thir- on Thursday, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if I remember correctly, mine was yours was super deep and amazing. It was uh, God created life. Right? right. It was loved by God. Uh, loved by God, and seeking. To love him or um, love by God, uh, that we at, may that we may love him and our neighbor or the world. I think it was right, and all all done through Jesus Christ. Because right. I remember Peter limited us to one sentence, right? And it's hilarious. And we both we both did uh, fragments. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even need a sentence. We are you just, just that awesome. A number. 
Indeed. Yeah. I mean, we should do that for the rest of our podcast. Whenever someone asks for the next question, okay? Uh, um, I'll answer this one first. Okay. I recently heard the phrase, "He who sings prays twice." Is that why chanting is so beneficial? You know what my answer is? What? Uh, sixty-three. <laughs> <laughs> Pi, because it's an irrational number. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, we should probably answer this one. Yes, right? yes. Well, I, I think what she, my understanding of that is, is when you, you sing, and music is also a language, not just the words that you're saying. Right. Some have described hymns as being um, uh, singing uh, or speaking, saying the faith and the words of faith in a way the heart understands. Mm-hmm. So... That's why Weird Al is so amazing, right? <laughs> because, and, and he, he shows this, right? Because sometimes we'll hear, well, Pastor, it's not really the uh, the music that matters, right? The music is just indifferent, you know? It's really the words that matter, right? Well, you listen to Weird Al when he does, <laughs> like, Amish Paradise, and it's like, yeah, you know, obviously the music does matter, otherwise this wouldn't be as funny as it is. Right. Right? The, the music and... The, and the words matter, right? And the words take predominance, right? So, for example, people would get really mad uh, if I had my organist play the theme song to Gilligan's Island for Amazing Grace. Right. It, But it works, right? Right. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. So, right? People would be mad at that. And I'd be like, well, you said the music didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so this was also spoken by monastics, right, um, who spent a lot of their time in the monasteries actually singing the seven uh, daily offices, right, mm-hmm. which, uh, um, you know, a lot of the Reformation guys consider, uh, uh, actually compared it to the priests of Baal, mm-hmm. right, that they were howling and moaning in the chancel, not actually understanding what right. they're saying. So getting back to the question, mm-hmm. she asks then, is that is this why chanting is so beneficial? Right. So, and that's why, um, and I, yeah, I was getting to that before you so rudely interrupted uh. me. Focus. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, that's a you problem. Yeah. If I am not focusing on where you're going, <laughs> I know we've got no vicar. So, um, anyway, so what happened? And that's why uh, when they when they brought the um, the service into the vernacular, right? Uh, they had German masses and the like. Um, they made sure that the preaching was in German. They made sure that the hymns were in German, mm-hmm. right? So that way the people could sing them and understand them and learn them and confess them, right? And uh, and so that's that's why chanting is very beneficial, because uh, a lot of kids memorize the words of institution by listening to their pastor chant it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you a whole bunch of different people, right, different pastors who, when they ask their kids to to, to say the words of institution, right, mm-hmm. um, they'll say, well, can I sing it to you? Right. Right? So music is beneficial pedagogically. It's beneficial for the emotions. It's beneficial for the soul, right? God created it. All right, next question. What made you decide to go into the ministry? I have always wanted to be a pastor, so I really don't have a good answer to that. Yes, and uh, I'm the same way. Whatever age I was, if you asked me what I was going to be, it would have been that. So mm-hmm. so, uh, so, no testimonials here. 
Right, which which was uh, always awkward for me because my I remember first year everyone had a really cool story of how they wound up at the seminary. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know I was a salesman and this happened and this happened and then you were like I, I moved across the block. Right. <laughs> uh, I got my tuition was pretty good because my dad taught there. <laughs> Um, I had a general studies bachelor's degree. I didn't know what else to do with it. <laughs> Is that a perfect major for me, by the way? Uh, it, it, it's, a bachelor's it's, of general studies. It's pretty awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. That brings us to our next question. If death wasn't a thing before the fall, what was the point of the tree of life? All right. Yeah, this one. Um The tree of the knowledge of good and evil shows um, that uh, God is God and that there is something that is denied to man, right? Mm -hmm. Man can't have dominion over everything on earth, right? This is the one thing that he's forbidden from doing. The tree of life is like the opposite of that, right? It's like the positive part of the first commandment, right? Right. That it shows that God is God and it is from him that we receive our life. And uh, and I would say too, when you think of the tree of life, I, I think part of it is too. If if you uh, just because you have a tree of life, it doesn't mean that there was an assumption of death, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, in, in much the same way, uh, when we receive the Lord's Supper, we receive the Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of forgiveness sins. of sins, and yet we relate the Lord's Supper with what we will be doing in the kingdom of heaven. Uh-huh. Now, do we need the forgiveness of sins in the kingdom of heaven? No, we've already been washed clean in the blood of Jesus. But nonetheless, what are we doing? We're still feasting with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So so just because, because it is a tree of life, to me it just shows that God has always been a God of life. And he gives it in abundance, right? Right. Does I mean, it's not like we go to the divine service and we're like, in the first five minutes, it's like, oh, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to leave now. Right. Or in when you hear hear the sermon, right? And the readings, right? It's like, well, your sins are forgiven there too. It's like, well, haven't I already been forgiven? And then you go to the Lord's Supper and it's like, man, I got lots of forgiveness today. And that's <laughs> that's because God's gracious, right? Right. It's a veritable smorgasbord of forgiveness, life, and salvation, which is great. Well, thank you for these questions. And by the way, Lizzie concludes her email with, uh, yay, thank yeah, thanks for answering my question a couple of episodes ago. Sorry for not replying. I'm just really skilled at procrastination. Welcome to the club. Uh, uh, mine added that. <laughs> you thoroughly answered my question, so thanks. I'm not really sure what why that topic interests me so much beyond the fact that the human mind is fasc- a fascinating thing as everything we can't understand fully. I like understanding people. That's about it. Thanks. Well, thank you, Lizzie, for... For, uh, for your questions. And uh, if you're listening, you can get a hold of us at Clerical Errors. P for podcast on Twitter. At me, bro. At me, bro. You can uh, we find... We have three followers? Yeah, something like that. So, you and know. That's three more than we had a year ago. That's true. You can message us or uh, get, a, get a hold of us on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. uh, Clerical Errors Podcast. And also, you can email us at Clerical Errors at clericalerrors.org or feedback at clericalerrors.org or beta is terrible at clericalerrors.org so whatever you want so well that uh we're going to conclude this episode with 
sound bites from the last episode. So uh, that we you missed. Mean the abortive or failed one? Or? The, uh, the failed one. So I'm gonna, if you hear weird, it sounds weird, but there was just too much gold for us just to throw away, you know? It's the truth. This is like meta sticky notes. Right. Right. So if you, I, one warning, okay, I feel bad for the person who falls asleep while listening to the episode and they wake up and they hear everyone talking like this. <laughs> well, it is October. I mean, Halloween is coming. Is this so. the rapture? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we will close with that. And uh, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. And thanks for all the fish. Who are you? Berg. <laughs> all right. Real talk. And uh, Oklahoma. Come on, man. We got a lot of listeners in Kansas. We don't have Kansas very. Is pretty rad. We don't have hardly any in Oklahoma. So, so Kansas listeners, I'm calling out to you. Drive to Oklahoma and download our podcast. The life of a vicar is sad enough, but then he has to. Doesn't have his own microphone when he does a podcast. It, it, it's pretty tough. And it makes a lot of work for the producer. It does. I mean, the poor dude got so sick of it, he didn't even show up today. Yeah. We had to uninstall the app. He can, right now, he considers himself Vicar 16.0. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. We appreciate it. Glad I can help. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Adam's the first man, but it's his grandson, Enos, who actually starts, you know, instituting public worship. So, you know, <laughs> just like our producer gets us online. So, <laughs> takes it a step further. Right? It's just, it's just all bad, you know? And she names this baby Ichabod, right? Ichabod means the glory has departed. Most of you probably know that from Ichabod Crane, right? Uh, what is that, Sleepy Hollow? Headless Horseman? Nothing? What? Hey, okay. Who are you talking to? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but, like, there's even a cartoon about it. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll have to look at that. <laughs> so, jeez. Right? Actually, I think this is one of the reasons why Noah wait so long to have kids, right? If you go back to Genesis and you look, like, at, once again, at the genealogies, which everybody hates, right? They're all having kids when they're, like, 100, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Which, I mean, you know, is awesome, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you don't want to be tied down when you're 85. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you, gotta still, you gotta still sell your wild oats, right? Um, no. <laughs> but, but, uh, Okay, anyway. <laughs> Peter wanted to say something? Yeah, I had a bit of a tangent. You guys are smart. Um, in the, I always wondered, you know, how the people uh, in the Bible lived so very long in comparison to us. Do we have any uh, thoughts of, like, how that might have looked? Like, were they just, did they just age really slowly? Like, you know, when they're 100, do they look more like they're 30 or so? Or did they age at the same rate and they just kind of looked like they were skin dripping off of bones by the time they were around 900? It's something cool to think about. I mean, you know, we really don't know. Um, my sanctified speculation is is that their bodies broke down a lot slower than what our bodies do. Because, um, like, you talked about Noah. He was working on the ark at what age? Yeah, I mean, he would have been in his 500s, you know. And uh, we see the same thing with Moses, right? Moses' uh, strength was unabated, and his eye wasn't dimmed, and he was 120, right? God preserved them, and I think part of the reason he preserved them is to go back to what we talked about before. There was no Bible at this time, right? There was only word of mouth. And so what's really cool is you, you take the uh, how long they lived and you set them side by side with one another. Abraham dies when Lamech, Noah's dad, is like 46. Okay? Mm-hmm. Lamech then would have been died three years before the flood. So Shem would have known him, right? Mm-hmm. 
Shem uh, lives to the 149th year of Abraham. Shem is still alive when Abraham is walking around, right? So, from Adam all the way to Abraham, there are two links in this whole line, right? Lamech and Shem, right? And so, Shem could have told Abraham what he heard from Lamech, that about the creation of the world, about the fall into sin, about the gospel promise, all of these things, right? Think about that. I mean, isn't that cool? And I, I always like the idea that, you know, for that first, you know, thousand years, uh, people would be like, well, how was the world created? Well, just go ask Adam. He's over there. He lives in, on the hill over there. Right. right. All right, next question. And this one uh, has been asked, uh, you've asked other people this, so I'm going to, they shouldn't say this, but I'm going to limit you guys to one sentence each. What is the meaning of life? 49. Actually, 42. <laughs> well, they get us very confused. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Your answer sounds more 420 to me. <laughs> this, this, comes, this comes with... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've never read the book. I understand the reference. You should. You I, should. Uh, I've seen the movie. He's seen the movie. You've seen the movie. Really? Yep. What movie was it? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. We could uh, get those iron-on things where you, you go to like Hobby Lobby and you get. We really are. We really are shoestring audience. We really are. I just mean, get a full like the entire sheet is just a picture of Berg's face. Oh, I got. I got a better idea. This is probably more feasible. We've got a lot of quilters between our congregation. <laughs> we, we do have a lot of quilters. <laughs> Clerical ears quilts. Wow, I like it. Nice. You can you can stay warm and cuddly while listening to the podcast. Well, each one of the, the squares could have like one of our, uh, they could be like our sticky notes. <laughs> right? Oh. Oh, man. Like picture representations, like we got a pickle jar. <laughs> right, see it? <laughs> we, we, we got a themed quilt. A, a spoon with some unrecognizable green powder. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> We can have a, a theology booster patch. <laughs> I did. Hey, yep. Peter, do you remember this? Uh, hey, producer, do you remember this? When when uh, I tried to make you kids smart in a few ways, and every one of them failed fall flat. So I bought some CDs. Do you remember this? Was it Little Einstein? I remember you tried to do uh, a summer school type thing because you didn't want us to be dumb. Right. And uh, you instead of doing anything normal, you called it daddy school. And uh, you tried to teach me Latin. Yeah. And you tried for like a week. And then you gave up because you realized that nothing was going to happen. Right. I tried. I tried. You did. I mean, that took a lot of focus for me to make that effort. No doubt. Hey, well, I think your kids all turned out pretty smart. So the other thing I tried to do is uh, I tried to I bought some CDs that had math on it. And it was like for the kids were like one plus one is two. One plus two is three. Oh, those were bad. So we're all like my kids are going to know math. That sounds like torture. Any opinion on that, Peter? No. <laughs> Alright. Uh, uh, Peter was just triggered. <laughs> P- uh, PTSD going on here. I'm gonna start singing that in my sleep. Well, I remember when I was about seven years old, I thought to myself, you know, if I could become a pastor, then I could have a really sweet podcast. So, yep. that was my motivation. You were doing a little prognosticating. And that's, that's when you were, uh, back then you decided to have a kid so you'd have a producer too, of course. Right. It was his 20 year plan. <laughs> It's all coming together. All right, and, and Lizzie's, uh... <laughs> he had the, uh, the evil mastermind fingers going on when he did that. You know what I'm saying? I, I kind of lost you. My mind was kind of wandering. Oh, sorry. Okay, let me slow this down for you. Please, can I, you. can I get you some coffee? <laughs> okay, my, what I was saying, Bird. Okay, try and focus. Okay? okay? Okay, I got this. All right, imagine what car I'm driving. <laughs> okay? 
I wonder what kind of vegetable he likes to eat. He knows that too. Some powder form. Anyways. Indeed. Anyways, so, the tree of life. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, I thought it was I thought it was my ele my elevator music like going. Oh I what the heck? <laughs> Please tell me all this can go in, right? Yes! It's still going! Alright. <laughs> this is explain what happened, it takes about ten years to explain. <laughs> okay. Alright, before I get to explain what just happened with my phone, it's phone. Okay. Okay. Right. Tree of life. Okay. Tree of life. Okay, before I get to that, I just have to say something that happened to me yesterday. I've been doing a lot of driving, alright? I was yeah. in Casey's. And, uh, some guy was in- Sorry, for those of you who don't know, Casey's is a gas station, uh, slash convenience store. Alright. Uh, so, I'm, I'm kind of tired, you know, and the guy's in line with uh, a big bag of gummy bears and a bottle of water. And some guy looks at him like, is that all you're getting, you know? And he goes, uh, it's good for the immune system. Like, <laughs> I don't know why that felt pertinent to me. Back to the tree of life. <laughs> gummy bears are not the fruit of the tree of life, man. My point is this, is if it's a tree of life, right? And God was a God of life. He created life. Everything in the garden was for the sake of life. Mm -hmm. And it was good. So why wouldn't you have, if everything was surrounded by life, about life, created by God for life, why wouldn't there be a tree of life? Especially if you think of the way, you know, um, just because um, Jesus came to save the world from sin, right? Okay. And in a lot of ways, he is, is a hearkening back to the tree of life. You yep. A tree of beauty, tree most fair, or right. most holy, most fair. So, so was Jesus, was the second person of Trinity around at the time of, of uh, creation? Yes, he yes. Was. So, I thought you were going to say Jesus was an ant there for a minute. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm really so, in trouble. So, so, keep going, keep going. Alright, so, so Jesus, that is Tree one. of life, tree of life, tree of Jesus, life. cross, cross, mm -hmm. tree of life, a cursed tree, Jesus dies, life comes from the tree. Right. But this because Jesus, in the essence, is life, right? Why wouldn't there be a tree of life even before death? The essence of Jesus never changed. Mm -hmm. And the essence of God never changed. And so there was a tree of life. The, I'm doing my best here. What's your answer, Bird? You just going to laugh at me? <laughs> uh, okay, let's see if your be answer's better. Okay, so uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a way to test man's obedience and to show that God is still God, right? Mm -hmm. It is uh, the first sacred space, so to speak. It's off limits, right? The tree of life also shows that God is God and that they have to eat from it in order to live. So once again, in both senses, by not eating from the tree of life, they show that God is God. And by eating from the tree of life, they are showing that, um, that God is God because they received their life from him. Just like we do in the Lord's Supper, right? Mm -hmm. So, not anymore. Okay. okay, I'll tell you one more story. Please do. Okay, so can you talk about what just happened? Oh, wait. Okay, I'll talk about just what happened, but I just want to tell another funny story. Okay. okay. So I'm ordering pizza. Boy, this is way off topic. At Casey's? It doesn't matter. We're at the end. Actually, I was ordering, or no, I was ordering pizza from another establishment, okay? Yeah. For my sons. Because I, I was taking my wife to a romantic dinner at the Chinese restaurant. That is super romantic. Right. Yeah. Usually it's Applebee's. She loves the romantic dinner at Applebee's. I always love their, uh, their, uh, the two half off, the half off appetizers on Thursday nights. There you go. Booyah. There you go. So, where was I? Um, I was, I was Chinese restaurant. I, I was ordering oh, pizza, pizza for the boys, right? Yeah. And, and I hear in the background, they want cheese crust. And so I, what's a special? And they gave me it. And then I asked, hmm, can I have that cheese stuffed crust? And she said, yes. And I said, how much extra? She said, no extra charge. And I said, just, I don't know where it came from. I just said, nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the little things in life, like, listener. All of a sudden, it's, I'm, it's I'm the little things in life. Like I said, nice. <laughs> I don't know. Then he took his phone and heated <laughs> it into the corner. Right. And my other, my, 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 one of my sons who is not a producer on the show, he goes, he goes, Dad, I have to pick that up. They didn't think that was me. <laughs> so, boy, you're going to think all we do is eat out. No. Because my, my phone was going off. Okay, I have this, this my watch controls my phone. It does, it has two buttons. One is player pause, and the other is my phone finder for if I perchance misplaced my phone. And it looks like a normal watch. It looks like a normal watch. It doesn't have a screen. It just has these two extra buttons. Right. So, um, we were at the Mexican restaurant, and the music is, is happy, joyful Mexican music. Uh-huh. Right? And uh, and so, while we're in there, uh, that this happy music uh, was playing, and on the TV, silent, there was a Bernie Sanders commercial. Okay. And uh, it just looked really funny, because it was like a slow motion, and like the music went... <laughs> And, and it looked like it was just something very funny about it. So I go to my phone and I say, I like that song. <laughs> hey, Google, what song is playing? And so I was playing with my phone. And I was playing with my watch, and I actually hit a button that played that song. And then he tried to pause it and clicked his phone finder. And then unclicked his phone finder and started playing the music again. And then finally turned off the music. Oh, boy. Right, so... So, yeah... Well, it's been a happy show, so, you know, like, it's like we deserve this. All right, now to my top 12 list on hospice care. <laughs> your, new children, your new children's book, Everybody Dies. And so will you. All right, well, I think, I think we've done enough damage. Yes, forgive us, poor listener. Yes, we definitely ended that show with a solid yeet. <laughs> I, yes, I think that's... That's right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I am Bolagan. And I am Berg. And I'm here too, just like always. Thank you for listening. And may, may your cakes be heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. Why are you still talking? <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> music. Play the music. Peter, play the music. Okay, go, go, go. Go, go, go. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.